1: Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. It's time for another edition of Book Club. Woo! Yay! You know, I actually have enjoyed having a reason to just sit down and read something. Uh, because I love reading, but oftentimes it would not be a priority for me. So I kind of very rarely did. Or or if I did, I was reading a book about like the history of fishing for the Sabre podcaster. Right. It's not that I wasn't reading books, but like sitting down and reading something that's not specifically for research. Right. I will
0: say, I think I've read more in this year alone than I have in the last two years, which mm-hmm. is really sad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, silver linings. Silver linings. It is. It is. It's true. It's true. Mm-hmm. I, and I
0: really enjoyed catching up on some of the reading and then also like opening up to different things I would have never read. I would have never read Ash and I thought it was very, very amazing. And I've, I'm I'm going to be honest, this book was something that I was really excited about. Uh, I really love any of literature that's based in the South typically. So for me, this was like, yes, let's do this one.
1: Yes. So today we're talking about Whiskey and Ribbons by Lisa Cross Smith. And sugar warning before we get into it for brief mentions of suicide and death, loss or, or grief. This one's very grief heavy. Yes. So that's something that's triggering for you. And also, spoiler alert-ish, we're not going to give away too much, but this is a a relatively new book and if you're right. interested at all in reading it um, then I would say press pause go read it. it it's pretty quick read and then come back come back right. and enjoy our book club discussion right and if you are
0: someone again who likes uh, fiction based on South uh, romance without two bodice ripping <laughs>
1: <laughs> ah, yes. Potter's ripping romance. You
0: know. Um, this is a good one. And I, I think it also was a short story at the beginning. So I'm sure you can find that version as well.
1: Yes. And it's beautifully, beautifully written. Um, So a little bit about the author. Lisa Cross-Smith describes herself on her webpage as a homemaker and writer from Kentucky. Uh, And she's written several, several things from Whiskey and Ribbons to Every Kiss of War, a bunch of short stories. She's won a lot of awards. She's been in magazines. Pretty prolific and well-loved. So... I I thank you for introducing me to her. I actually had never read anything by her right,
0: um, and we had planned on having her on, so I'm hoping that we can have her on later in times because I am a, actually I am a big fan of hers. I kind of talk about that a little later. And I met her through a mutual friend who is an Atlanta writer as well. So I was really excited <laughs> being mm-hmm. able to connect with her at all. So yeah, this is definitely something that I'm really glad that we got to do. It's not your typical, well, not that any of them have, but this is definitely not necessarily feminist related forward type of thing, but it is related to women and grief and family. So I feel like that's on topic.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So why don't you give us a rundown, a basic rundown of the plots? Right,
0: so I'm just going to give a short summary, which this is a story with three different perspectives of how lives are changed after death. Uh, Pregnant Evangeline has become a widow after the loss of her husband, who was tragically shot while on duty as a police officer. The story is narrated by Evangeline, the wife of the slain husband, Amon, the character whose tragic death opens the story, and Dalton, the adopted half-brother and best friend of Amon. And the timeline jumps around throughout the story, just an FYI.
1: Yeah, and it starts immediately with the death of Amon, And it's hanging over the entire book, which makes it really powerful because when you're reading about how happy everyone is before it, it's it's like a punch, like right. squeezed to your heart. And I've read a lot of interviews with the author, and she's someone who loves words, which perhaps obviously, but one of the reasons she chose the title is just because she loved The Sound of Whiskey and Ribbons. And I, the names, like I love the name Evangeline. And uh, we're going to talk about this later, but there's this undercurrent of faith throughout this book, And so I feel like I can see it in the name Evangeline and then Amen, kind of sounding like amen. Mm -hmm. Um, I I also love that stuff. So I was very excited (laughs) to see it. Uh, So let's talk about our characters starting with Evangeline because we're really seeing her story but from different perspectives. So for Evangeline, we see her after the death of her husband and how she's coping her story opens up with her complex feelings for her brother-in-law who has moved in to help her through this really difficult time and care for her newborn baby Noah. Um, her narrative is really, it's a very emotional one uh, from grief and guilt and jealousy and lust and love. And Evangeline, or she's sometimes called Evie or Leany, she has a bunch of nicknames, tells her story of loss and tragedy. Yes, yeah, starting at the end. We, we start right away with the death of Amon, In the story, we see her conflicted with the need to move on, but not sure that the timing or even the appropriateness of her moving on is correct, Um, always kind of questioning herself and doubting herself. She also is caught up in a game of jealousy over her brother-in-law's past. But okay, let's go back. The setting of the story, sort of the, if you're looking at a timeline where we, the reader, are to assume what time it actually is it's set during a severe winter storm in louisville kentucky where she and her brother-in-law dalton are in the house kind of snowed in without her son noah who who is currently staying with evangeline's parents before the storm began and evangeline is a ballet dancer slash teacher but currently is not working due to the death of her husband and the birth of her child Right. So, our other lead, uh, our other lead
0: character that you will hear from is Amon, who is the husband of Evangeline and half adopted brother of Dalton, and also best friends with him. Amon's story begins with a meet cute with Evangeline at a local church. He works security for. Uh, the framing of the meeting seems simple enough. A beautiful woman who works with the children of the church comes to develop a friendly relationship with the officer and eventually find love. Mm-hmm. Within Eamon's story, we see different themes of love, where he's a major character that continues that narrative. His relationship with not only his wife, but with his family, including best friend and half-brother Dalton. He's also able to keep in the audience's mind the danger of his job as law enforcement uh, throughout his narrations. His eventual death would also be the opening of the secondary plot for Evie and Dalton to fall in love just so you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, He ends the story, which, by the way, caused for me to sit there and sob and cry, which was (laughs) a hard day, uh, (laughs) with his journal, which he writes just in case he was not able to be there for his wife or son later on, which we know he wasn't. Also important to the plot is the foreboding. We already know that he's going to die, but it still has that character. It is a character in that level of darkness that you know something is not going to be okay. And the thought process for him to leave the force comes through as well when he realizes that the dangerous part of his job no longer just affects some of the people. Also with that foreboding, there is the small thought in his mind, obviously in that conversation, that he should leave the force because he realizes that this is a dangerous job. And as before, he didn't have too many people depending on him, but now he has a wife and an unborn son. And if he were to die, he would not be able to care for them.
1: Right, so he always knew it was dangerous, and but he felt this drive to do it, um, and there's all this pressure on him, not, not through Evangeline, but through his mother, to quit, and there's sort of this ongoing conversation, and as the audience, it's all the more painful when he dies, because the second that journal is introduced, you know... Right. That, that is going to come up at the end and be really, really devastating. Right. And
0: it was. <laughs> it was. It absolutely was. Like
1: You know it's going to be. And it was incredibly effective. Um, but he had, once their son was almost born, he had decided he was going to leave. And that compounded the destructiveness. Right. It was just that
0: so close, as well as the fact that there's one point when he thinks, if Evie ever asks me to leave, I will. And she never did, Um, which is a whole different other
1: conversation. But that definitely does loom over the whole story. Yes. And I do want to say, before we move on, I am someone, as a lot of people might guess, I'm not into romance. I I generally avoid it. And when I do see it, I'm usually, um, I don't want to say, like, rolling my eyes. That's not correct. But it's it's almost like I I just don't buy it. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: (laughs) I Mm -hmm. just don't buy it. But for this, I thought, oh, if that's what love is like, then okay, I see it. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds amazing. (laughs) That
0: sounds amazing.
1: (laughs) Oh, and it had to end. So tragically. Um, Okay, so next we're going to talk about Dalton. But before we do that, we're going to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode of Stuff Mom Never Told You is brought to you by HelloFresh.
3: It's the game pretty much everybody's talking about. Morgan number 2 plays this sometimes before we start the show. You know, it really challenges your brain with the fun puzzles, but it's also a very casual game, so it won't stress you out, which is perfect these days, right? What's great is you can use the game as a way to connect with your friends and your family, all while social distancing. The game is so much more than your average mobile puzzle game. It's five-star rated with over 100 million downloads, thousands of fun levels, and For free, Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Check it out. I do think you'll like it. Friends Without the R, Best Fiends.
1: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So Dalton. Dalton's storyline starts with his confusing but not so uncommon situation. Situationship with Francis. Uh, Well, well, you're educating me all the time. Um, Yeah, I actually, and we'll talk about her more later, but I actually really liked Frances. And by the way, this is an adult novel. So yes, there is sex. There's quite a bit of sex, actually. (laughs) So putting that out there. Um, And when we're introduced to Dalton, we see... A lot of internal battles he's dealing with of what love is and what it isn't, I can relate to that as well. But we are first introduced to him, he's a classically trained pianist during Evangeline's narration, and he's playing this song on piano to soothe her, and she decides to kiss him. And this facilitates a much-needed conversation of the conflicting feelings that they have for each other, because... Obviously, this is a very complicated, messy situation. And this also takes place around eight months after Amon's death and six months after Noah's birth. But back to his situation ship, Frances is the main interest for Dalton through most of it. I guess it's kind of happening concurrently. Right. But through a lot of what we read from Dalton's point of view, she is... And at one point, he considered marrying Frances after she became pregnant, but he changed his mind after she terminated the pregnancy. Not because she terminated the pregnancy, but he just seemingly couldn't see, couldn't imagine being married to her. She does play a role in his life throughout the book, and her last appearance in the the story, we see his decision to move in with Evie is the last straw for her. Uh, She decides, all right, I'm done. And throughout this narrative, we see there is a role of competition and jealousy between Evangeline and Francis, um, also some of the other women in Dalton's life, which we will come back to as well. Um, He struggles too with his relationship with his estranged father who comes back into the picture and is trying to reconnect with him which would take us back to learning how Dalton ended up being a brother to Eamon. Dalton's mother, who suffered severely from depression, passed away after overdosing on pills. She took her own life, um, and he was adopted by his mom's best friend, Eamon's mother. Later, we learn that there are deeper roots and ties with his adopted family and himself, but you can get all of that and more if you read the book. And you should. It was a good little twist. Yes.
0: So... Now that we've kind of come down the big characters, we're going to to talk a little bit about the minor characters because they do matter. Uh, so we'll talk about the parents, Calvin and Loretta Royce, parents of Eamon and adopted parents of Dalton. Calvin is a retired cop who was the influence in Eamon's life to become a police officer as well. So you'll see him being introduced as someone who backs Eamon up when the mother is asking him to quit, essentially. Right. And they are painted as the perfect parents, supportive and caring to both of the boys. Loretta worries for the safety of her police officer's son, and both she and Calvin make sure Dalton knows he is their son no matter how that happened. Um, And as the story stretches, we find out they're not necessarily the perfect parents, and secrets
1: are revealed that take a slight turn on how you view them. Yes. And then there's Penelope, who is the biological mother to Dalton and best friend to Eamon's mother, Loretta. She was the one who taught Dalton to play the piano as well as influence him into starting and owning his own bike shop, which he would often go and fix up when his mother was not able to care for him. And then we have the other ladies. (laughs) Starting with Frances. uh, Yeah, we've been talking about her. She is the sort of not girlfriend to Dalton who later gives Dalton an ultimatum when he decided to move in with Evie and I will say I feel like I am her to a lesser degree. I'm sort of that wild card who is always doing something is always got something in cooking. Right. <laughs> and they they're very much I found their relationship interesting in that there's clearly a connection there, but it's almost it's constantly antagonistic. But not in like a like cruel way. It's just sort no. of like they argue, and that's how that's their
0: love language or something. That is their love language. It kind of spices things up for them, and I think he loves that feistiness as he would describe her to be.
1: Yes, and I I also love how accepted it is that they're on again and off again. So there's like one scene they haven't been together for a while. And then she shows up at some family barbecue with all of them. And I I love how nobody really commented on it. They just, okay, Francis is back in his life. Okay.
0: (laughs) Right. Like she was significant enough that Eamon was like, yeah, she can come. I'm going
1: to propose to Evie. You can be our witnesses, essentially. Yes. And Francis was not happy (laughs) about how that went down because Dalton did not tell her that that was going to happen. I don't know if I would be upset or not. Um, I think I'd be
0: annoyed. I think I'd be annoyed.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I'd be as upset as she was, but then again, I don't know that I've ever been in a relationship like that one. So I guess I can't really say. Yeah. But
0: I absolutely am the friend who I'm um, if I'm close to you and you haven't immediately told me. Not immediately told me, but you know, don't tell me soon after. I get a little like offended that I'm you I wasn't even where you thought you wouldn't you didn't even think about me. Yeah you didn't want to tell me. Didn't keep me in the loop. Yeah, which is very Selfish and stupid, but you know. I get it. It is what it is. I get it. <laughs> so actually, in the book, Dalton has another female who is a part of his life. Uh, her name is Cassidy, which I think she's a pretty good, cool character Yeah, as I well. really liked Cassidy too. Um, she's this new girl that pops up in Dalton's life, a sporty, tattooed bike girl who Dalton is currently seeing when Amon is killed. Uh, she pops up after she gets flats, on her bike, she stops by the bike shop, he helps her, and then they kind of start doing this flirty back and forth, flirty back and forth. Yeah. Um But it's super cool in their interactions that she is very understanding, very open, um, even kill. But she also doesn't hold back in letting him know how she feels. Yeah. Which is also nice, and apparently she's one of those cool girls that knew the mechanics of the bike and wasn't just pretending as he had framed it, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which is always fun to see as a trope. Uh, but she was a fun little character who, even at the end, even when he was breaking up with her, she got, she sent him home with cookies. That's so yeah, nice.
1: She did. I, that's one of the things I really loved about this book, because I felt like, all the the female characters, all the characters in general, but it's just rare with female characters were well thought out and you knew their motivations and they were complex. And yeah, I generally liked every one of them, which is right. pretty rare. Right,
0: I think that's what I love about like Southern Gothic level books is very character driven. And yeah. I, I love when that happens and you invest in people. Mm-hmm. um also just a, another minor character who you don't hear from much she's at the beginning and then she comes popping back at the end is elizabeth iman's ex and last girlfriend before he met evie she is somewhat minor but she does pop back up at one point to let iman know that she was bisexual which mm-hmm. was a fun little interaction it was supposed to be him coming away from paint, painting a room looking a mess running into her, and then being like, ah, I'm married and I'm having a baby. And her response is, I'm "I'm with a woman, I'm bisexual. He's like, and his response was, yeah, that makes sense. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But then she pops back up again at his funeral, where she actually does, like, squeezes Evie's hand in camaraderie, essentially, Mm
1: -hmm. and, and in mourning with her, the loss of Eamon and how great he was. Right. So th- those are our cast of characters. Overall, story wise, we see the main, the three main characters, Evangeline, Eamon, and Dalton, moving through their lives and sharing stories. In first person narrative, it switches every chapter to a different point of view. And the story weaves in and out throughout these different timelines to explain how they got to where they are and how they learned to cope or how they processed or didn't or haven't yet um, Dalton becomes the strength and caretaker for Evangeline and Noah which he promised to do when Eamon confided in him about getting married to Evangeline as well as when he tells Dalton about her being pregnant they call it the pact
0: right they have a pact that they would care for the other
1: person's loved one yes 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 so that's pretty much the plot and character synopsis. But we did want to talk about some themes. But first, we're gonna pause for one more kickback break forward from our sponsor. This episode is brought to
0: you by China. The China brand provides premium disposable tableware to celebrate moments of togetherness.
1: Yes, and right now that is more important than ever especially when we're all apart. So recently, I had a group and we had a a socially distanced barbecue where the host drew out circles and chalk that were six feet apart. And everyone showed up with their own chairs and beverages. And it was really convenient to have disposable products. And we we just had a a lovely conversation. Um, It was really fun.
0: Yeah. And I'm with the disposable products. I know that the Chinet brand provides durable and trusted products, which I have used before, that let you enjoy every moment of the get-togethers in traditional
1: or now not. And there are classic white products that can work for any gathering, or cut crystal plates, and cups when you want to make something a little extra special. Disposable tableware keeps things simple and cleanup easy. Chinet products are available wherever you buy groceries, including delivery or pickup. This episode is brought to you by Arches and Halo. Arches and Halos, professional brow grooming. Be bold, be you. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So themes. There are a lot of themes that we could tackle going on throughout this whole thing, and we wanted to touch on some of the main ones, starting with probably the biggest one, which is tragedy and grief. So, I mean, the main catalyst of the book is the death of Eamon. It, it's the whole thing is riddled with this theme of grief and dealing with it, and it's so realistic. When Evie is notified of Eamon's shooting, it's heart wrenching. Um, but, but more so, the you also have the protective response from Dalton, who not only helps her throughout. Um, He's also struggling, but he's trying really hard to be strong for her and is actually depending on Cassidy to kind of let out what he's going through, which is interesting because when we talked about that uh, forever ago in our grief episode, that is the theory of the best way to share grief is you have the person at the center and you focus on them. And then that group that's focusing on that person at the center then branches out to the outer circle for people to help them with their grief. So I thought that was really interesting. Evangeline even talks uh, about the marking of Eamon's death by the age of their newborn baby boy. I think she says something like a time bomb or... There's a very pretty sad (laughs) description of it. Uh, We also see the grief as experienced by Eamon's partner from the police force, Brian, who continues to check up on Evie and her family. And again, the very first line of the book is about Eamon's death. So Mm -hmm. it hangs over the entire thing like a specter. And another theme that obviously is fairly big is family
0: and parenthood. There's a couple of examples of different types of bonds and even examples of failures in relationships. Uh, We see the adoptive relationship between Dalton and the Royces, the relationship between Eamon and him becoming a parent, and then the realization of Dalton's own biological father and who that is. And I did love seeing these relationships when we discuss biological versus relational within the book. The fact that the family bond is very real, even though it may not be biological, Also, uh, Lisa shows the beautiful relationship between brothers for both Eamon and Dalton as well as Eamon's father and his brother who they visit every year to fish with him. And I think that's really beautiful to see uh, open bonds that are so loving and gentle with each other.
1: Yeah. And I, my um, dad used to do this very same thing of like him and his brothers and uncles would all go on a dude trip fishing. uh, And I loved hearing their hijinks when they got back because mm-hmm. inevitably they weren't very good at <laughs> and I know there was one story where my uncle he had his, his leg on the boat and the other on the land and of course the boat starts to oh, drift oh, away yeah. and his pants fell down and he wasn't wearing any underwear and I as an 8 year old I laughed and laughed and laughed oh wow <laughs> yeah. that's a good story though yes oh it's excellent they always had excellent stories We also see the author talk about surrogate parenthood and one reader, Gabriella, stated, In addition to her insular depictions of love and loss, Cross Smith is also making a larger point about fictive kinship and surrogate parenthood, both of which have sustained many Black communities. Like I said in my review of An American Marriage, we don't see enough of these situations celebrated in literature, though it's so, so common and important for many people's upbringings. I'll leave y'all with Dalton's heartbreaking conversation on page 90, of which I'll just quote a bit... I grew up with a man who wasn't my biological dad, but he'd do anything for me. So there are also these guys out here doubling up, pulling twice their load without complaining.
0: Right. And I think it's also very important that we know that Dalton becomes the surrogate as well. Yeah. And it is a clearly beautiful uh, transition. Uh, Heartbreaking.
1: (laughs) Yes, both.
0: (laughs) Yes. Uh, And then, of course, we couldn't go by without talking about the theme of love. Mm Mm-hmm. There's many complicated conversations of love throughout the novel. Uh, the love between Evie and Eamon, Evie and Dalton, and Dalton and Eamon, and the familial love within the Royces. And we do have the triangle. As one review states, a soft love triangle, where no one is really uh-huh. the bad guy, but sure is damn complicated. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, It develops into a tricky romance with a lot of question of, how does this work? But Crossmith ends it nicely, where everything seems to have a happy ending, as well as even though there's just like this... Uncomfortableness when you're reading it, when I was reading it, of like, oh god, what's happening? Oh, god, okay, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, at the same time, it's comforting to know that they're okay.
1: Yeah, and it did make me really appreciate because it, I mean, grief is so complicated, and a, as we've spoken about, you you can't control what your body is doing, and like physically, emotionally, it's just all over the place. And then to have that all tangled up, too, with love, which is another thing you most of the time cannot control right. and get it all mixed up. And then you have the added layer of they both loved this person that died. Right. That was sort of at the heart of bringing them together. So, yeah, it's just super messy and complicated, but really honest. Right. And then another theme that I love that is... Uh, Pretty common throughout most of uh, Cross Smith's work is this current of music and art because it's the whole book has so many musical references, including Dalton's playing piano and using music to help calm or provide relief during hard times. Also, peppered throughout, we see shout-outs to Yacht Rock and just good old classics from Fleetwood Mac to Bach for Evie's ballet dancing background. Even at the beginning, we see a reference to the term fugue, which has a threefold definition. One, uh, referring to flight or to chase. Um, Two, a musical definition, which is a contrapuntal composition in which a short melody or phrase is introduced by one part and successively taken up by others and developed by interweaving the parts. And three, a state or period of loss of awareness of one's identity of self. So, yeah, you can see all of those things play into this book. And I also want to, like, touch on Evangeline. She was a dancer, so there's this art that she is making. And then also, because I had to mention it, there's multiple Star Wars references, (laughs) and I appreciated that. So when we were talking
0: about doing the interview, I did see in the outline That's one of the first things that she had, Star Wars references.
1: I know, I was so excited. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was like, Eddie... You gotta tame it. You gotta <laughs> tame it down. Got <laughs> it? There's like three of them in there. We can't spend thirty minutes. But you were so excited. About it. Um, I was. But yeah,
0: back to the music. And also with those words, we have the term finale, as well as de capo, literally meaning from the beginning. So this begins the stories. And even ending Eamon's narrative with the term "cesura," Se which means in musical terms, a break in conversation, a line of verse or song, but not for long. But also can be a noun, which means an interruption or break. And ending the book with "decapo" Capo and the announcement of Evie's and Dalton's baby girl, Maribel Dove Berkeley royce
1: And I'd never heard that word uh, before, but it is beautiful. It
0: is, <laughs> it is throughout the book. Yeah. Like she definitely makes a pointed moments of it just being in there to let you know what's happening.
1: Yes. Uh, And another theme that we've sort of touched on a little bit, but we wanted to return to is faith. So Cross Smith spoke in interviews of feeling connected to faith and being Christian, not only because of her pastor father, but because of her strong beliefs and faith. She doesn't really speak too much on the idea and notion of women and virginity, but it is briefly mentioned as Evangeline uh, talks about wanting to wait for marriage before having sex. She admits this during a game of strip poker when they're all slightly drunk, which I thought was funny. Um and even putting the church within the context of Evie and amen's meeting. And actually, Amon, uh, he was debating on whether or not to go ask her out. And he said, God, give me a sign. If it's not raining and it's a beautiful day, then I'm going to go talk to her. And it was a beautiful day. And he went to talk to her. Um And then there are mentions of prayers throughout, and she also speaks to the fallibility of men and forgiveness within relationships uh, when you're talking about Calvin's infidelity, uh, the boy's sexual tryst. Uh, It's not explicitly talked about or even focused on, um, but the theme is there, and especially if you're looking for it, because, for example, when, I think Dalton, it's a conversation between Dalton and Eamon, Maybe I misremember. It was a conversation he had with somebody where they were asking him, why do you have to be a police officer? And Eamon's reasoning to me sounded almost religious with uh, somebody's got to do this good. Somebody's got to do it. Uh, There's a responsibility. I'll do it.
0: Uh, Yeah, I I remember him talking about that. I think that was with his mom as to why he should. And he even talks about going on a ride along with his dad and seeing the good that was being done as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So there you go. That is a big, small portion. <laughs> a big, small portion, as they say. We're the Um, Overall, even though this is not necessarily a feminist-focused book, we do want to celebrate this being such a successful book that chose to look at loss and grief and tragedy in such a poetic fashion. Uh, her conversations within it, bringing music as a part of it, celebrating family as different as it may look from the outside what we may say is normal and is not normal. And like I said before, I have been a fan of Lisa's For a while, I've been following her (laughs) and her husband for years when they started the Whiskey Paper online literary magazine. Um, And I loved it because it was very focused on the South, but the strength of the South as well. And I loved um, that look. And I won't lie, I'm a huge fan of Southern literature. My favorite style would be Southern Gothic, uh, i.e. Carson McCullers, Harper Lee, and now Jesmyn Ward. So seeing a take on Southern life is always refreshing and sometimes really difficult for women to find success in. So we wanted to be able to celebrate when it's done well. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's a yes. whole episode where we talk about women authorships and what type of genre they can write in or what they're accepted into. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But yeah, yes. so it's a really good book. And I was really excited to be able to talk about
1: it and read it and uh share with y'all a good book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad you suggested it. And um would love to get suggestions from you listeners as to what book we should do next for a uh, book club. Uh, some of you have sent in Untamed. And then there's another one a couple people have sent in that's about sex. Uh, come as you are. So those are, those are in the docket. I'm excited to read both of those. But if you have any other suggestions or if you want to vote on one of those please email us uh, our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com you can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You. thanks as always to our super producer Andrew Howard and thanks to you for listening Stuff Mom Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio for more podcasts from iHeartRadio visit the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows
2: Hi, I'm Allie Wentworth. How do I grow a teenager in a pandemic? Well, that's exactly what I want to find out. In my new podcast, Go Ask Allie, I'm asking experts to help me answer that question. For example, are quarantine teenage girls more apt to Instagram nude photos? Are they somehow going to end up on the dark web? Are teenagers getting ripped off by their new virtual education? And how do we deal with their overwhelming anxiety and uncertainty? And are they losing empathy? I'll be talking to experts and friends like my friend Brooke Shields. She'll reveal how her complicated sexual upbringing has influenced how she is as a mother to teenage girls. It's a new world, and how we raise these young humans in it determine our future. So let's share some real experiences with all-new episodes releasing every other Thursday. Listen to Go Ask Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts
3: paper ghosts is a true crime podcast that investigates the search for the person responsible for the abductions of four missing girls in neighboring new england towns for more than 50 years each case has remained unsolved
2: every day is like being lost in limbo i pray every day that we find lisa so we can go on
3: it wasn't until this past year that things took an unexpected turn a breakthrough Answers to decades-old questions and witnesses finally ready to talk. I know
0: that that's the person that was there. I can describe what he's wearing.
3: I can smell him a mile away.
0: Jesus, Mary, and Josephine, I hope that's not a grave for many.
3: Oh, you know what? I think it is. Listen to Paper Ghosts on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.